You're listening to K&J Recaps. Okay, hey everybody. Um, you're back with K&J Recaps. I am Jess. I am Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good, and I'm really excited because we are now recording the first of our podcasts of the series Westworld, new to HBO, having just aired this week, and I know we can't wait to talk about it. (laughs) It was so good, and such a long time coming. Like This show has been in the works for, I think, a year and a half at least was when I first heard about it, so it was good to have it finally air, and it did not disappoint. Yeah, so much like hype and so many big names associated with it and of course being on HBO so um, we have a lot to talk about first so thank you for tuning in to the podcast I probably know that poor Kim we're late recording this one because she's been sick all week I know <laughs> I really time to come down with illness Kim I know my voice is much better <laughs> tonight um, yes. but still not 100% back to normal so I'm really hoping it reads more like a like a Scarlett Johansson huskiness and like a less like Patty and Selma from The Simpsons. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's exactly what's happening. So those who have caught our Stranger Things podcast, if it sounds slightly different, uh, that's why. But we are persevering. Um, so so. uh going forward we are um gonna be getting the the podcast episodes up on monday evening so just uh 24 hours after the airing of the episode so this one was uh was later than usual but will be on our usual schedule starting next week that's right and you should all be grateful that i didn't just tackle it on my own (laughs) which was the (laughs) other option and would have been quite awful so just talking to herself for an hour (laughs) that's right (laughs) <laughs> so initial thoughts, Kim, obviously you loved it. I loved it too. Do you have any like opening thoughts on the concept of the episode before we dive in? I I did. I loved it. I found it like riveting. Um, it threw me for a couple of loops. It was darker. I mean, I expected it to be dark, but it was, yeah. you know, it was a darker tone than I even realized that it would be. But I loved it. It was gritty. And I mean, you know, from the get go, I have so much to talk about. I have so many questions. There's a lot of um, show premieres out there where the first episode is a lot of just sort of setup. It's introducing setup, the characters. Yeah. It's yeah. introducing the world. But in this one, they did all of those things, but also gave gave us so much to think about from the get-go. So I have been like champing at the bit all week to talk about this with you because Jess and I are both on the same page in this, um, guys. We like, we don't um, have any conversations about the show before we podcast. We don't read any articles. We want like our thoughts and um like opinions ideas yeah yes we want them to sort of read fresh and not be influenced by you know what the buzz is and stuff so i have not talked about this all week and i can't i can't (laughs) wait to what about you like what did you know much about the show before you watched the first episode yeah, I was going to ask you that too. I mean, I certainly knew the premise. I had seen the preview, which goes beyond the first episode too. So not in any kind of meaningful way. You just kind of get glimpses of, you know, different scenes that we didn't see in the first episode. But um, I, uh, yeah, I certainly knew the premise. So 
there's just a little bit of extra stuff that you kind of know that's going on. But even then, you're right. There's still kind of misdirection right off the get-go where you think yeah. you know what's happening and you don't. Um, have you? Did you just... see the original movie? No. I ha- have you? No. Yeah, no. that's an interesting question. Yeah. I, I, um, I do know a little bit about it. So... Um, uh, listeners, FYI, um, so you should definitely have watched the first episode of Westworld. I assume that you have um, before t- tuning into the podcast, but if not, we're going to go through episode by episode, so you're not going to want to listen to this before you've actually seen it. Um, yeah. So, uh, But otherwise, we have no spoilers, right? We don't know what's happening in the future. I have not right. read the Michael Crichton book that this is based on, um, and also have not seen the original movie. So FYI, this was a Michael Crichton book um, that was turned into a movie in the late 70s starring Yul Brenner. Um, and my understanding of both the book and the movie is that it was really kind of focused with the humans being the heroes and the the hosts or the, you know, the robots being the anti-heroes. So in, or the bad guys really, in, in this episode we have... Um, the man in black, who's really our antagonist. And that is a parallel character to who Yul Brenner played in the original movie. But Yul Brenner's man in black was a robot. Um, oh, interesting. So it's flipped it on its head where the perspective yeah. has changed for the show, which I think was a brilliant change yeah, to agreed. to have done, even without having seen the original movie. Like I, I can imagine that this is like, you know, going to, play out to be kind of a more interesting perspective for us to follow absolutely yeah I think it's just a great well it's a huge like moral playground in terms of what you can do because they're just every scene you're like it's you know they played by human actors because they're such high quality robots just opens it up to this crazy world of of how would you really treat these things. So why don't we dive in? And I'm sure this will all kind of come up as we're going yeah. going through it. For sure. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so we open the show with um, sort of the lead character, uh, Dolores. So played by Evan Rachel Wood. Um, she is sitting naked in a lab being questioned. Uh, we don't see who her question is, her questioner is. Um, but she's um, being asked a series of questions and she's giving these kind of monotone answers. And as she's answering the questions in voiceover, we see her waking up in Westworld. She greets her father, um, you know, just kind of like her typical day in Westworld. Um, So the questions that she's being answered that she's being asked so this is the voice we don't know who it is who's asking these questions the viewer doesn't but it's the voice of the actor who plays bernard the head of um software mm-hmm. um so this is not the same person who's que- who's asking these questions later in the episode because we do see that dolores is asked these questions again before the end of the episode but she's being asked them by a different person later on. So um, she's being questioned twice. Um, And then we see uh, Teddy, who's played by James Marsden. He comes in on the train. He's, there are, you know, what we 
find out that the um, the hosts, which are the robots in Westworld, um, they call the guests newcomers. So Teddy is on the train with the newcomers and they're talking about having been there before previous visits, one of which he's gone full evil. Um, so uh, Teddy and Dolores meet up. Uh, they end up going back to Dolores's ranch where Dolores's parents have been murdered. And... Then a man in black shows up, kills Teddy, and drags Dolores away to a not-so-lovely end. Yeah, definitely a a really horrific kind of end to that scene. So why don't we kind of go back um, into, yeah, what you just kind of unpacked. A lot to unpack. (laughs) Exactly. There's a lot of information there. So um, knowing that everybody has kind of seen this already and we're not spoiling anything like did you think teddy was a newcomer yes they totally had me fooled me too right um, and uh i don't know if some uh viewers uh knew in advance that james marsden was playing right. a host but yeah. i've since we decided to podcast um on the show i've been steering pretty clear of any information because i wanted it to just be like completely unspoiled so they yeah. definitely had me fooled you too? Yeah, agreed. And I think it's a really interesting concept that the world is so intricate that you would not only have the newcomers coming in on this train, but you would actually even have, like, it was a huge eye-opener as to how compl- complex this was really going to be. Um, because at first you're like, okay, they all come in on this train and they come into the world. And then you realize that these storylines just operate. And unless... Uh, guest interacts with them or breaks into it or participates there are still things that happen behind the scenes like it's the complicated level as soon as you realize that he is uh like a host I think is just another level of like oh for sure (laughs) and I had like I had so many questions about the logistics of it all right so like um so let's just pretend the man in black never shows up so You know, Dolores and Teddy would then go to bed that night. And then when they wake up the next morning, do they remember the previous day? Or is it the start of the loop again? Yeah. So I think it seems to be a 24-hour turnaround for her. Um, right? Because there's a numerous of her waking up. But would the bad guys, they would not have come then? Is that a stupid question? No, I think they still would have the the bad right. guys, so like, the bad guys who he, were hosts. Yeah, so like this just plays out as if it's like the bad guys come and kill her parents, even without any guests there, and then he goes and kills them. Teddy kills them, and they end up together, and then it all resets. But oh yeah, maybe. But what if? Okay, so what if the man in black took Dolores away with him, and yeah. And there obviously are, I know what you mean, like there's multi-day, there must be multi-day stories for some of these characters at least, right? Because I think that that if the man in black decided that he wanted to take Dolores camping or, you know, whatever, like out in the woods, I mean, she would continue to be there. So I was thinking that it resets when they die. Like I was thinking that Dolores died. I feel like it's, yeah. And maybe that's one of the ways, but I do feel like even without that, they reset because there was like not every scene that she died in that they woke up the next morning 
reset. Like, I think she resets anyway. The same way they are able to later on to remove the, the hosts that they think have problems. They can overnight just, like, give them new code and new storylines. Like, I assume there's just, like, an upload process. And then unless you interfere with that, their system just resets every 24 hours. Like, yeah. overnight. Yeah, it could be. Um yeah, you're right because like she didn't die every time that she woke every time before she woke up. Woke up. Yeah, so they definitely said that they have a narrative loop. So, you're right. Her loop must be 24 hours unless perhaps, you know, a newcomer/guest were to interfere with that by, yeah. you know, like because it like the man in black when he sees her the next day, he's still there for the same visit, you know. So, for That's her, right. it's the same, you know, the same day that she just wakes up to again. But for him, yeah. it's the following day. And even if he did kill her the day before, you know, she's up and about the next day on this on his same visit. Yeah. Um. So another question that I have is yes. about the overall when in the lab, the fact that the hosts are almost always naked. Um. So I recognize that they're robots for sure. But I just like... <laughs> They're so lifelike um, and they talk with them. Like it's not like a normal robot. If you wanted to ask the robot what it had experienced, you would like connect it to a computer and upload or whatever. But they do both of those things. They have, you know, a way of doing diagnostics on it from a technical perspective and then they interview it. Um, and we, you're right. We see two of these interviews being conducted with Dolores over the course of the episode. Um, and it's almost like they don't fully trust the answers they're getting because they're kind of trying to tease out other things. So in many ways, these things are so humanoid to like have them be stored without clothing on when they have like extremely human like bodies. I just find Mm -hmm. such a, well, it's probably an indicator as to how we got to this place. Like we as humans, where we would just treat in this incredibly lifelike scenario, just be like horrible people. I don't know. Like I'm, I can't really. Like you feel it's an indignity. Yeah. 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 I I wonder if there's any reason for it. I mean, um, so we see people from the lab who are in the park, like in Western garb. They're just like interacting amongst the hosts. But then when the picture is found later in the episode, have to go in and get the picture out of like Dolores's home. They're all in hazmat suits. Do you remember that? Oh. So like they were in hazmat suits and they picked up the picture with a pair of tweezers um, and like put it in an evidence bag. So like we've definitely seen them interact in the park, you know, like one of the female scientists. Um, yeah. I was going to say she's she in there was, in costume. Like there's definitely scientists She was there. there Exactly. And yeah. obviously, I mean, we have guests, we have humans who are in the park all the time. But is it also like, would you be in a hazmat suit because you're there because somebody dropped something that is anachronous to the world? Um, is part of it so that you don't lose like a, I don't know, like a plastic button or something, something that would be again anachronistic and therefore further perhaps confuse them? Oh, that maybe that's true. But I, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I just, so my... I do feel like, I feel like it's an in- intentional indignity that it is, um, a, perhaps it's to differentiate hosts from, um, 
like real people when you're in the lab, at least quickly, like obviously the people who are naked are the robots. It just, um, I think it sets up a real power difference that is going to come out more for sure. I think it gets to this entire moral question as to like, yes, they may be robots, which means they're not human things with like souls, but they're still so close to being humans um, that that people get to go play out their, you know, fantasies and have these where they just go shoot people and they treat them like they're, they truly are robots. And yet the other next breath, they're so realistic that, um, right. You can't tell the difference. But as of right now, I mean, like, I think that, you know, one of the biggest, you know, like storylines that we're going to see in the show is how these, um, reveries that were added by Ford, um, are are essentially allowing memories to um, bleed into the conscious, uh, the consciousness, if you want to call it that, of the host, right? Yeah. But right now, yeah. they're they're not sentient. Well, and um, there's there's definitely an issue too between, as we're going to see in a later scene, but a discussion between the people who write the stories and deal with security, how they feel about making them so lifelike, and then the actual programmers and the creator as to how lifelike they want to make them. Um, And there is this line being discussed of if they are too real, it becomes less fun or less enticing to want to go and, you know, shoot them um, and rape them and do all of these horrible things to them that people are like acting out in fantasies. And then on the other side of that, like just because what you're doing technically isn't killing or hurting a human person. Like that doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean that it's okay. It's like crazy that people are allowed to go play with this, these ideas. But I think that you're right. Like, I think you've really touched on like two different um, mindsets about the, I don't know, the uses of these hosts, right? So we have Sizemore. Sizemore is the, um, head writer of the storylines that they act out he's the one who says later to you know cullen who i don't know what what would cullen's like job title be i think she's like the the head chick yeah i think she's like security isn't she or just like overall head of everything you mean she's like head of operations or whatever because ford is ford is definitely like the anthony hopkins character is is definitely the big boss yeah but like removed but from But she it now. seems yeah. to run the day to day. Agreed. Yeah. She's the one who has so a real like, business interest in mind too. Like recognizes that security issues are real and yeah. Exactly. So so Sizemore is the one who's saying that he thinks that the update should be dialed back, that they're getting too lifelike. Yeah. But I think from Ford's perspective, Ford seemed to me to be somewhat like disenchanted with the way in which these you know, um, I don't know if you want to call them like inventions, creations are being used. Like yes. I got the impression from Ford overall that he was like working on this masterpiece of creating life. And then Sizemore who's saying like, these things are too lifelike. Yeah. Well, and especially if all of your storylines suddenly revolve around nothing but like everything we've seen are these really mostly at least awful storylines like we do see a family there as well but for the most part it's really really violent it's stuff you couldn't get away with anymore every it's intentionally in the wild west a known time of like 
I don't know, anarchy and lawlessness and debauchery. Um, yeah. And they're, they are just there to, you know, kind of keep up with the pleasure centers of humans and, and nothing more compl- complex than that. They're not helping society in any kind of way. Um, so maybe there is like part of that. But I was really thinking when I saw that family with the child, I was like, what? What child appropriate activities are there to do in this park? I know, but like you could imagine in a much more wholesome world, which we are clearly not in, that it would be amazing. I mean, okay, one, we have not seen what the world looks like outside the lab, right? So we really don't know what is out there. Um, and so part of me was thinking like, other than the lab appears to also be in the same geographic space as what they're setting it. Like it looks like it's right, looks like it's in the Grand Canyon, but like it's in some sort of like desert area. But I was thinking like, is it a, he is, lives in a huge urban center and has never been by a stream before. And you go because you also get to experience not only the people of the time gone by, but like the, you know, pastoral setting of it. But I don't know. Yeah, just the geography and the novelty of riding horses and well yeah which is a really cool know. scene with those crazy robot horses yeah. but yeah i know it was crazy um okay so the the man in black he played by ed harris like i have never seen ed harris at this level of evil <laughs> evil <laughs> and creepy um but yeah like he does it well yeah um so he said that he's been coming to the park for 30 years. And we know now by the end of the episode that Dolores is the oldest um, host in the park. Yes. So he seems to have, you know, a lot of history with Dolores, which is like, you know, shuddering to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's... Um, um, and that's... We can talk about this later too, but I do think that there is something about... Obviously, this like there's this the reveries and the memories that these things will have that just like an old computer, like you don't actually ever delete anything. You overwrite code. Right. Um, Because you can't actually like usually remove it. And so you have all these underlying memories sitting there and yes, they get written over top of. But that means they're still there underneath. Um, And so if there's that many years of, you know, this code being hidden away and resetting every 24 hours and these awful things being done i mean it is really horrifying to think of right but they say that the memories are wiped after every narrative loop right but then they say they get overwritten like so because when you delete your computer stuff from your computer you actually do not delete it right you just put it in a place where your computer will then write over top of it um and this is why like you should never throw out a computer even if you've you know like technically deleted everything because you haven't because that's very very difficult to do so yes there will be code that has been overwritten but there could still definitely be chains of code that are still there um and while they were up for deletion never got deleted you know what i mean and this is where the reveries are coming from like the reveries are tapping into essentially you know memories for lack of a better word like a subconscious. But I thought they were Anthony Hopkins's memories. 
No, I understood it that Anthony Hopkins, so like Ford, played by Anthony Hopkins, yeah. you know, like so so Bernard and his team are updating all of the hosts with new software. And Ford has added this Reveries programming into the update without telling anybody. And so um, when Bernard discovers it, he says that Ford must have found a way to tap into the you know the previous builds in order to um have the hosts um like to give them gestures based on essentially the host's memory interesting okay yeah so i totally i took it the other way i took it that they were from anthony hopkins's memory and he built the movements in but it is right around there when they're talking about the fact that they so that that is like so it's it's essentially what I took it to be is that like so by writing these um reveries into their programming, he has essentially let let um old memories for lack of a better word mm-hmm. slip into their current build right and and um that's what's allowing them to like you know move based on gestures based on gestures from memory like the you know the hooker host who like rubs her lips yeah um but at the same time it's this same reverie code that is allowing old characters to like bleed in ultimately i think that he opened the door for the hosts to gain you know, like, to gain some memories, some past from, you know, like, to gain some consciousness of the fact that they are, you know, living in a loop. Yeah. And Do with, you know what I mean? Yes. And then I think on top of that, what they gain there is, like, actual sentience. Because... Ex- exactly. Yeah. Like, it's it's not only just the fact that they're going back, it's that they recognize that they're going back and that they're starting to, like think of things yeah and i think we can i mean i think it comes up the most vividly in dolores's father for sure because it's just like such a powerful scene but um but yeah we can talk about it there too for sure um so dolores essentially you know um well i mean that day is over for dolores yeah uh and then she wakes up again the next day, exactly as she did before. Um, Teddy is on the same train coming into the the park, the same as he did before. Um, but of course, the interactions with people around them are different because the the guests are different. So different people on the train with Teddy. Um, there's some variances like... You know, in the previous day, you know, Teddy is talking to one of the um, hookers at the saloon and Maeve, the madam, she like comments on his response. And in the following day, he has the same conversation. Teddy gives the same response. But Maeve is now in conversation with newcomers who have engaged her um, to have a drink with with them. So like there's differences. She's like no longer available to reply to reply to him as she would if there were no newcomers interrupting them. Yeah. And I also like, like one of the reasons I thought that Teddy was a newcomer and not a host is because there is that scene that happens both in the previous one and this one with that guy um, who talks about going up into the hills to catch the bandit 
that we see later, you know, and Teddy declines. And I was like, oh, this is clearly a storyline that you're offered to go participate in. So it's interesting. I mean, obviously he's programmed to decline it and I'm sure he never would go on it. But it's like interesting that, you know, the host stops, the other host asks them to participate. And in this one, we see that someone actually does go and participate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that was that was great, and then like you you see the variances continue throughout That's the right. episode. Um, so, <clears throat> for for instance, depending on how the scenes are playing out and how the hosts are interacting with various newcomers or each other, they say a lot of the same lines, but but use them in different ways That's or right. say them at different times depending on you know Very what specific the context. yeah. Right, yeah. the, what the context is, what the storyline is calling for. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was really well done too. Yeah. And then um, the pan out, we see the, for the first time at this point, we see the big pan out um, where we're kind of brought up to the lab and seeing that the whole park is in this like 3D map that reminded me a lot of the Hunger Games yeah. um, movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're being watched at all times by, you know, Cullen and Co. in the lab. Yeah, and this is where you're really getting a sense of just how advanced the technology really is, which obviously to have, you know, robots of the technology that they do, but it's that crazy pan, totally agree on the Hunger Games thing. It's like, we're going to start a storm over here and killer wasps over here. Yeah. Yeah. Like- um, and then we go into the, like, the cool shots of everything being made. Like, the horse being made is crazy. It um, was crazy. All the different st- stages of, like, how you do it. And then the last one where it's, like, walking around the little paddock in a circle. And yes. obviously played Just by like a real b- horse. Building but... it out layer by layer. Yeah. Like, you know, bones to muscle to, you know, ligaments to skin. And then finally this finished product. Exactly. Um And a lot of them, I mean, like, so we do see, you know, some of the people being made, the hosts, the humanoid hosts being made. um, And they're all in this sort of like Vitruvian man circle. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, being dipped in this like white liquid and stuff. It was, you know, really well done the way that they conceptualized how these, you know, these things would be created. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we already talked a little bit about Bernard. Um, you know, he is uh, dis- he discovers the reveries when he's doing sort of he's doing an update on um, one of the hosts and the female, you know, scientists, for lack of a better word, I'll just call her a scientist um, that is with him uh her name is elsie so when he leaves the room she gives the host a big kiss on the lips mm-hmm. what was that about it i wonder yeah <laughs> i like i do not know um, did she just want to like see what it would feel like i wonder or like take part in what everybody else is you know like it's yeah, yeah i don't know like maybe she's never been a guest to the park and just wanted to see what it would be like yeah, like I, that's a an excellent question, Kim. I really was like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So, in, after that, after the yeah, uh, kissing the host, we see Bernard and Colin together, and she is telling him that there is that unscheduled activity in cold storage. 
And uh, so the security team is going to go down and Bernard is like very, um, I don't know, like hesitant or reticent about the fact that they would go down. The security team wants to take SWAT gear and he's like, that's not necessary. And I definitely like my initial feeling while watching is like, I think you should listen to the security team. I mean, Bernard just seems so overly confident and hubristic about how well he knows the programming of these things, you know, that they're not a risk because, you know, he knows everything about them. They're programmed to not be a risk. Exactly. And it's like, have you never seen Space Odyssey in 2001? Like, (laughs) these things turn on you all the time, Bernard. This is... So it was, um, it was interesting that, um, so the security guy who is the third Hemsworth brother. Yes. Um... Yeah, so his he his name is Stubbs. Um, so he asks Bernard, "Do you have any children?" And Bernard says, "No." And Stubbs says, "Well, That's they right. always rebel on you eventually." So just like as a quick aside here, I thought it was interesting that he specifically asked Bernard if he has any children. And then in a later scene, we see Bernard looking at the photo of a little boy. Right. And then you know, in the same scene, Bernard tells the host that he's working on that he. Um, envies his forgetfulness or whatever uh so i think that there's a little bit you know more to that story there for sure but you're right i agree i mean bernard i felt was overly confident throughout this entire episode particularly when he was asked about whether the update could potentially be resulting in the glitches that they were seeing in the hosts and he said it's very unlikely and you know of course it turns out that it was yeah um so you're right. I mean, like, Cullen isn't taking any chances, and Stubbs seems to be of the same uh, mind. He took a whole team down there with him fully armed, so. Yeah, and I I just, I don't know. It seems like the smarter thing to do. So they go down, and of course, it's super freaky, so this is also why I wouldn't be in, like, full riot gear. Um, and for whatever... Enormous. Enormous. And, like, it looks like an older part of what was originally probably the attraction you know like there's a like a waterfall there's a broken air conditioning system but in addition to that there was like a couple of things in the set that was like made me think that this was probably once part of the public facing yeah they went down this like giant escalator that wasn't working anymore i mean yeah yeah. it's like the jurassic park after everybody's it's all grown in and everything um right and so they are walking through these like rows of shut down decommissioned hosts again all naked just like standing in rows and uh that's when the first time we meet the anthony hopkins character so uh and he's down there having a drink with the old an older host bill who is clearly old immediately we get that cue because his movements are jerky not nearly as smooth obviously obviously a robot like it's the a much clearer yes. cue. yeah um and yeah, so what do you think of that kind of introduction to Ford and the conversation he and Bill were having? Yeah, I thought that it was really interesting. I think that it says something about Ford that, you know, he is spending his time down in the basement, um, you know, like almost sort of, I don't know, he seemed to be reminiscing with um, yeah, agreed. with Bill, one of yeah. his earliest creations. I don't know. I think that... Um, uh, there's there's more to Ford than we know right now and his ambitions and his intentions. Um, I don't know. I found it uh, interesting when he told 
Bill to go into a deep and dreamless slumber. And then Bill immediately shuts down. And we see this later in the episode, too, when Elsie does the same to Dolores. So this is obviously like a code word that is a way to shut down the hosts immediately. And again, this is like gets back. This is just another indicator of how they're designed to be treated like humans. Like the the code words are not a series of nonsensical words that no one else would know. You know, which is kind of in my mind what would be smarter, <laughs> like to do. You know, like right. an <laughs> alphanumeric code that everybody has to memorize. That's very complicated. It is something that sounds like an order. Um, in- extremely like poetic, almost hypnotic, and then they go and do it. Even you know, after he does that, he says, "Go put yourself to sleep." But he goes and gets in this like freaky body bag thing, and of course he does because he's a robot. But it's like you just told him to go put himself to sleep, and he wraps himself up in a body bag. Like it's this weird thing between you talk to them like they're humans, you interrogate them like they're humans, but they're sitting there naked or they're like putting themselves in body bags. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Like, they should Um, be treated like robots if they're really robots. Like, the humanness should end outside of the purpose that it serves, and it obviously doesn't. Right. Um... And so Bernard compliments Ford on the reveries. He says they're beautiful. And it's that he he remarks about like how amazingly far they've come from since Bill. And like Ford was really, um, I don't know, like melancholy about it. And he was like, that's a word for it. Yeah. I don't know. I think that um, Ford, in my opinion, does not seem to be entirely on bored with um with with all that's going down right now i don't know i mean he didn't do or say anything specific that um you know that tells me that he isn't but um i i get you know especially when sizemore says you know that ford is going to chase his demons right off the edge um what are the demons that he's chasing yeah yeah i mean obviously the guy has uh a lot of backstory. I think it's interesting. He kind of dresses like the old West. Like he's got that old. School oh, I didn't notice that. Cut suit. Well, it's not like really, it's like he, to me, he kind of looks like an old school, um, like poker dealer or something. He's got the white shirt and like the black high collared vest on, uh, it's obviously modern, but there's like definitely an older style. So it'd be interesting to see what his, I feel like the West world concept is like super, you know, like because of him um and then i i do think it really interesting if this this interaction especially with bill reminded me so much of um of the show humans which of course there's so many parallels because you're talking about another show with highly lifelike robots in it but um Mm -hmm. in that show william hurt plays that character who's like the original designer and his like favorite robot is the guy the little like the the guy who's just not as sophisticated, he's like a much older model and he keeps breaking down, but like he's got such a strong relationship with that one. Um, right. You know, like the fact that you would go back to old Bill and it doesn't matter that he's kind of jerky and not real. I mean, like the fact that you built that, there's like all these extra memories tied in with it, but mm-hmm. you don't need them to be as like sophisticated as they've become. So, but at the same time, I mean, like at the same time, he's the one who is adding secret programming to the updates in order to give them, you know, even more realistic gestures that are tied to their own, you know, quote unquote memories. 
Right, but is that to is he like uncovering how to make them sentient? Like, is this intentional? Um, and it's yeah, actually a I, lot more I, than that. I think that you know, like that Ford is playing God and he is, you know, I don't know, like he's almost disenchanted by how close he's come. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a scene later on where he's like, I want to meet my maker. And it's like, well, you're in luck or, you know, however he says it definitely. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. Um, so in, um, just before they went down to the sub level, um, when they're talking about bringing security down and everything, um, they talk about how it's been 30 years since they've had a critical failure. So what do you think a critical failure would constitute? Didn't they mean like they've never had one in 30 years? They've never had a critical failure. Well, the park has been around for 40 and Bernard says we haven't had a critical th- failure in thirty years, so oh, I took it to mean okay. that they one had one at, at one point, yeah. right? Uh, and I assume I'm like, critical so, failure involves the death of a human, of a guest. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, so something has happened in the past, I thought. Yeah, and I thought that it was interesting that they said specifically we don't update the hosts in cold storage. Yeah. Um, so obviously this update that is resulting in, you know, some of the host, hosts sort of like awakening somewhat to um, their reality, you know, those updates aren't being done on the hosts that are being de- decommissioned. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because now there are two um, at the end of the episode, right. Peter Abernathy, Dolores' father, right. and Walter, the like crazy milk bandit, they both get decommissioned <laughs> down there. Yeah. And um, both of them have had that update. So I think that there might be a little some a little something to that, too. Oh, that parting shot of Dolores' dad is like, don't tell me we're not going to see that guy again. Absolutely. Oh, for so sure. So freaky, yeah. Um, So Dolores has woken up for another day. Um, You know, she comes down. She's greeting her father. Same as before. We see a little bit more of their conversation this time. Um, So to like, you know, backtrack just for a minute. So as we had mentioned, Dolores is being questioned at the beginning of this episode by Bernard. Right. And then she is questioned a second time at the end of the episode by Stubbs. So what I took this to mean was that the beginning questions was probably, maybe I'm imp- imposing a timeline that isn't accurate, but I I was thinking that the beginning question was Bernard questioning Dolores at the time of her update, because Dolores has been updated, right? And then the, f- the ending um, questions was when Stubb was questioning her after they had pulled all of the updated hosts out of the park, right? So if, but if that is the case- But I don't think they update them in person. Isn't that what they were doing with with the hooker oh, when they discovered the reverie? She was in there? Yeah. Oh, I totally wasn't thinking of it that way. But there's so many of them. Yeah, 2,000. Um, yeah, sorry. No, but I totally I, never even thought of that. Yeah, of course. So, so, so the way, if that is the case, then throughout this entire episode, Dolores has been updated. Right. So 
I think that, um, yeah, so like Peter Abernathy, her father, you know, like he has also been updated, right? So these are, so so I was curious, like looking back in retrospect in this scene when, when um, her dad says, I used to be a lawman. Was that a scripted line? Or was he, you know, because we know at the end of the episode that this host, before he was Peter Abernathy, he was the sheriff. Yeah. And before that, he was the professor who was a cannibal. And that's where he got all of this, like, you know, Shakespeare stuff that he started quoting at the end. Yeah. But so if Peter Abernathy's host used to be the host that played the sheriff, then when Dolores's father says to her, I used to be a lawman. Was that part of his scripted line? That, that, or was Kim, he I never remembering even that? thought of that. That's such a good point. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see it both ways. I mean, maybe his backstory always was that. And they kind of wrote that in to the script, even though right. he's not the sheriff anymore, that they were like, oh, you're the retired sheriff. And, you know. Right. Because Dolores does say, oh, I know. I know all about your stories yeah. about your renegade youth or whatever it was. Um, cause yeah, like he did, he did say that he used and he to seems be like so normal until he sees that picture, you know, like it's like, it's like everything yes. is just totally fine. And then he just gets so caught up in that picture. So maybe I'm just reading too much into that. And it was just, you but know, I'm because sure everything related. else about, yeah, sorry. I'm sure it's related. Every- it's just whether or not it's new or whether they maybe like gave him that backstory instead. And it was yeah. You know, everything else about this seems um, perfectly scripted. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was just his established backstory. Um, but I thought that it was interesting. Absolutely. Um. So Teddy arrives as usual. We're seeing these um, variances. You know, as we had mentioned, things are slightly different than um, the the day before. Um, so instead of Teddy coming out and meeting Dolores, Teddy is actually sort of um, stopped by a guest who knew him from a previous visit. Mm-hmm. So instead of Teddy picking up the can that Dolores drop, drops as he did the day before, and now it's the man in black who, you know, is picking it up and being very creepy, uh, saying he's got other plans. Sorry. He's got other plans tonight, Dolores. Sorry. Yeah. And she seems to be like, um, despite the fact that she does not remember him and he's calling her by name, he's addressing her as if he knows her and everything. She seems like, you know, like sort of, um, uh, like confused, but unconcerned. Yeah. Which I think has got to be the way that they're programmed, programmed. right? Because then Teddy is about to sit outside of the like, you know, brothel for like hours while those guys that he just met, you know, do whatever and it's like no human would actually behave that way so there is like enough of them of it in them that they yeah they should they don't take notice or they don't pay a lot of attention to when things are off the way a person would be like what (laughs) right yeah do you know my name which does kind of raise these questions too about because so you know in the opening scene dolores was dragged off by the man in black to be raped and um we see a lot of sex in this episode where the hosts are all 
very willing, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like it, they are programmed to do what the newcomer wants them to do, what the, mm-hmm. what the guest. So, you know, in the case of Dolores, essentially, you know, to kind of think about, think about it, I mean, that she would have been programmed to completely like she is like yeah. the man in black's rape fantasy which is awful yeah and Ugh. knowing that i would argue like no robot can consent <laughs> like this is like the fucked up part of one of many of this thing um is that yeah i mean you're it's just like super messed up anyway because they're programmed either to like it or to not and to consent or to not but there is no therefore consent right because like it's people pulling all the strings everywhere but you're absolutely right right. i mean it's a really horrific scene in the opening first couple of scenes whatever where the men in black drags her by her hair basically like uh, i just cannot wait for the episode that i am sure is coming you know where dolores has like woken up to you know to like what her reality is and all of the hosts start fighting back against all of these like you know all of the violence and indignities that are done to them I mean like I like I already cannot wait for this man in black to get his comeuppance for sure yeah yeah um yeah so then the the man in black says he's got other plans tonight. Sorry, Dolores. Uh, he's super creepy. And then he goes into the saloon and he sits down to play cards. Um, so which is we'll another see just more like, of that card see, dealing. Yeah, um, the like that one guy, the host who just gets out of the way, you know. And again, another like pr- little programming thing. Like it's a yes, full, yeah. You know, table at the poker table until a guest wants to come, and then it's one host just like moves away. It's just, you know, really, really well done. You can definitely see, um, I don't know, like the whole theme park concept of it, you know, like you can see uh, pieces of what we would know from our own theme parks today involved in it in terms of like the guest's experience and like the planning of it and like the different opportunities for adventure and stuff. Like it's, it's really interesting as to how much of it is already kind of happening in very small parts in our current world. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I could definitely like, I could definitely see how if we had this level of technology, how like current um, theme park type you know, rides and attractions could like evolve into this fully immersive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from there, we've got the sheriff. So the sheriff is the guy who had been asking people if they want to go find that bandit who's in the hills. We know that that couple thought it would be fine. The couple is this like, Obviously, you have to be incredibly wealthy to go to Westworld, right? That's referenced a few times throughout this. Um, yes. And so, yeah, they're just like a really rich white guy and his wife is what they seem to be. And so they're, they are um, on this, like, pass looking for the bandit. The wife is obviously not thrilled to be on this part of the adventure. And then the sheriff just starts, like, malfunctioning. I mean, it, <laughs> in human terms, it kind of looks like he's, like having a stroke having a stroke yeah. yeah um they find a body that's why they've stopped but yeah anyway so he can't speak and so the husband and wife are like 
freaked out and they are leaving. And he just kind of like the sheriff just stays there malfunctioning. So yeah, obviously so something right. something <laughs> is wrong <laughs> with the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, so we which, see, see yeah. we see him with Bernard, right? Bernard is going to do the um, diagnostics to see what's wrong. And this is where Bernard is like really confident that it is not to do with the update. As it turns out, yes, yes. it is. Um, Although not so, yeah. part of the update. No, that's true. It's those damn reveries. Um. So, yeah, so this is where we find out that 10% of the uh, host population has already been updated, which is about 200 altogether. Yep. And so when Colin wants to pull all of them out, Sizemore, who's the writer, he loses it. He's the British guy. Because, you know, like he said, the storylines can adjust to one or two people, you know, maybe being taken out if like a guest decides they want to just kill somebody out of the blue then the storylines will adjust but if you take 200 of the hosts out then they the storylines can't adjust to that um and so this was interesting too okay so we obviously see this come back but when cullen is asking bernard are my 1400 guests in danger bernard says no the core programming is still intact they literally could not hurt a fly. Yes. So um, it's been imagery throughout the entire episode. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're going to see it at the end, too. Um, but the, the opening scenes are like a fly on the face of one of the a fly on like all over the place. You know, Teddy sitting outside while guys inside are having an orgy fly yeah. on his face. Yeah. Dolores getting questioned in the lab fly on her face. Yeah. Flies, the, the flies the all over them. And like on parts yeah. where like a human would just automatically viscerally react, right? Like not even right. just, but you like, you couldn't handle what these, like these flies crawling all over them. So yeah, you've got the imagery of right. like a, a fly crawling on you. You know, there's like the symbol of like, you know, death and decay that comes around with flies sitting on your skin you know like there's kind of like that and then there is exactly that expression then here's where it said is you couldn't hurt a fly they're programmed not to be able to hurt uh the guests at all and obviously we see that in the one of the opening scenes too because he can't teddy can't shoot the men in black even to defend himself they are completely defenseless but beyond that, like, they are programmed not only to not be able to hurt a guest, they are programmed to not be able to hurt a single living thing. That's right. And that's this, the fly. This yeah. is why th- that's the fly, right? Yeah. So obviously at the end of the episode when yeah, we see Dolores slap that deal. fly on her neck, exactly. that is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so that was definitely like a really pointed you know, like statement to the viewer when yes. Bernard is saying he could not hurt a fly. Um, so Colin agrees to leave all of the hosts in the park for now, um, but wants to know of anything that's unscripted that happens. Yeah. Uh, and it does. <laughs> unscripted <laughs> things do happen. Spoiler alert. Things are going to go badly. Yeah. That's right. Um, so then we just get a quick scene and uh, we already really talked about this, but it's the same guys who hooked up with Teddy earlier. They've seen him before and they're in the brothel and it's just like, they're just there to get their rocks off with these robots, prostitutes. Right. So good for them. And this is where, yeah. So Teddy's just like sitting just outside the door. And again, that would be very weird behavior. Um, and that the one says he finds him creepy and that's when you get that like 
again, super callous comment that he's going to take them as a guide later. And if they get bored, they'll just use him for target practice. And obviously they've done that before too. So right. they have no problem just taking him out and shooting him. And yeah. And it's interesting that he says that the really demented stuff starts when you leave the town. Right. So. And you kind of got a reference to that later, actually in the next scene or two. But yeah, the the family who comes, right? They're like, you're not, it's too adult for the kid on the other side of the water. There's like a demarcation as to where certain behaviors happen, right? Right. Yes. Oh, I didn't put that together. Yeah. Do you remember them saying that? Yeah, I do now, but yeah. I didn't think much of it at the time. It's like there's certain um, geographic oh, areas. Although then there's this massive violent shoot-up shoot in the town. So I don't really know what the like incredibly adult behavior is outside because everyone's about to get Maybe killed. there's more than one town. No. Maybe? But I do feel like that we're in the central town. Yeah. You know, that's I think that's true. where they are. They're in that like, but then like the really crazy stuff starts when you're on the outside of town. Like what the hell is any different than what's about to go down in the town? Right. Like, you have and both, so um, yeah. that's true. And, the, and um, this kind of circles back a little bit too that like if Teddy is taking them, this group of people out, you know, like to be their guide and whatever, mm-hmm. like his 24 hour loop is not going to be able to, to happen. Right. So his yeah, he, depending he on how is, long they stay out, yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Like yeah. you know, so it, it. I mean, that speaks a little bit, perhaps, to like the adjustments that the um, narrative loops will make, um, depending on what the the host is being asked to do by the guest. You know, yeah, and that's where I assume part of the like Hunger Games team on the outside is helping to participate by watching to see where they're going and like adjusting on yes. the fly to what's respond to what the guests are doing that's a really good point um okay so we already talked about uh a little bit about this you know the family who isn't going to cross the stream and you know there's a little moment where the little boy says to dolores you're one of them aren't you you're not real yeah and uh you know yeah she again it's the same kind of reaction as she had with the man in black when he calls her by name despite the fact that she doesn't know him she seems like confused but unconcerned and do you think that momentary confusion is is that supposed to happen or is that like an early indicator of something starting to change here like do you think they're programmed to be like completely blasé about that because you're right both times she's had like a little bit of a weird look on her face or is that just normal I really thought I took it that in both of these instances, that was a totally normal, normal. programmed reaction. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she does have some reactions later in the episode that I do not think are normal. Yes. Um, that I'll point out when we get there. Okay. Um, yes. So then we, from there, we're with Dolores's father and he is doing his robot steer herding <laughs> and uh, he kicks something in the ground and we figure find out that it's um, a photograph, and it's like somebody in Times Square, um, or at least in a in a major like city of some kind. And uh, he like it obviously gets to him, right? Like he's uh, really really taken by it, and like can't seem to get over what he's seeing yeah he's Im- immediately like mesmerized by it yeah um 
and so yeah he's like have you ever seen anything like this and she's like he shows it to Dolores and she's like again super blasé um doesn't look like anything to her which is weird because it's obviously a person in like a different you know scenario but it's like she's got that whatever reaction to it where she just doesn't think it's a big deal yeah and and like that definitely was a scripted line that she you know so she says it in this episode three times verbatim right so twice in this scene when you know he asks her twice um you know doesn't this look like something what does this look like to you she says the exact same line it doesn't look like anything to me yeah and then later when she's being questioned by Stubbs, when he asks like what did you think of that photograph she said it didn't look like anything to me i mean like i think that the fact that she is responding in this verbatim response is like that came across to me as like anything that a host is presented that's out of the the normal you know, programmed world that they encounter is supposed to be a reaction of this doesn't look like anything. To and me. I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, she goes, she goes inside unconcerned, but you know, her dad just sits out there continuing to stare at the photo. And then we cut back to the lab. So this is the interaction with Colin and Sizemore that we've already talked about a little bit, but it's really interesting. Um, so we, <clears throat> um, so the first part that I thought was interesting was when Sizemore asked Colin um, when she gets to rotate home. So that made me think, like, where are they? Yeah, I mean, right. So are, just yeah. Is like, is this just a matter of like they're in a lab and? They stay there 24-7 for a time period and they go home. Or, I mean, it really did make me think, like, you know, are they even on Earth? Like, it made me think to – it made me think of big things. Well, this is what I mean. So, like, I wonder – same thing as to, like, why we would bring kids. Like, is this the only place to experience this kind of outdoorness? Is Mm -hmm. the world as we know it gone? Another planet? Is it just – or is it that you literally just have to be there 24-7 when you're on? But it doesn't seem... Yeah. And if it is, like, it looks very Arizona-ish. I mean, I would argue it's oh, for sure. filmed there. <laughs> um, that's yeah. not very far from civilization, you know? Like, especially in this crazy technology world. So... Yeah, I definitely think that this is, you know, this far reaching future. Yeah. Um, and that the the world that they are living in is not the world as we would know it now. Exactly. Despite the fact that, you know, like, obviously, it's, it would be a much more futuristic version of our world. Um, I still don't even think that it's that I think that um, there, there, there has to be, you know, like some kind of, um I don't know. Maybe. Well, this uh, might explain uh, the. Uh, maybe it's the earth. The earth is uninhabitable at this yeah, point, or do yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I feel like it ex- better explains the robot livestock because it's like, why would you spend so much money making a robot horse? Why not just put a real horse out there? Like they're just right pastoral anyway. Who cares? But if you actually don't have robot ho- or real horses left or you're on a different planet, or something crazy has happened, it would make a lot more sense. That's true. I didn't think about that. I mean, I did kind of think about the fact that they were creating horses, but I was thinking that it's like, in case a host decides that they want to like, I don't know, be a be a horse killer. You know what I mean? <laughs> they couldn't hurt a fly. How could they hurt a real horse? Oh, sorry, not a host. I meant a guest. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
True. Yeah, although in case I a, feel like in case a guest is, I mean, like they do all kinds of twisted shit, and that might be I it. Mean, although I do feel like the morality thing is a lesser concern here, but yeah, it just seems like right, it would be a enough. lot of money to build a robot horse and not just have your own livestock. Yes, true. Um, so a couple of other things in this scene that are of interest. First of all, Sizemore throws his weight or whatever he says. He throws his support behind Colin to, um, to replace Ford. He thinks that a changing of the guard is in order. So we already talked a little bit about how he thinks that the update should be scaled back and that Ford is going to kind of like, you know, chase his demons off the edge, whatever he meant by that. Um, but essentially Colin was like, you know, your support is useless to me. Um, and then they talk about management and how management has grander plans than just fulfilling the, you know, fantasies of rich cowboys. Right. What do you think you meant by that? Yeah. And and I love her response to that, right? Where she's like, you're smart, but you're not, you're smart enough to see there's a bigger picture, but you're not smart enough to know what it is. Yeah. Um, and so she obviously is involved. I know it's a great, I think you need the context of what the hell is happening in the world to really know what that means because. Yes. And like, who is management? Yeah. And exactly. Like, is this like a scenario where there is no more governments and like a corporation owns the world? Like, I really don't have no idea. You know what I mean? Right. Um, is this a scenario? But it's where- like, but we agree that it's like, it's bigger than this operation. Completely. Right? Yeah. You know, so when she's talking about management, she's not talking about like Ford, you know, it goes way above the heads, I think I of the, the, you know, the highest of the higher ups in Westworld. They're talking about the, big big guns i think when they talk management yeah i would agree and like some sort of debate as to like how much artificial intelligence will be involved in human decision making and probably Mm -hmm. like human leadership and like global leadership and you know right now they're just an amusement park but obviously the implications of that level of sophistication is profound um and what could they be doing with it so i think it depends what kind of future you're in but absolutely yeah, that will be interesting. And I mean, you know, probably we're we're looking at like future seasons here, right? Like what I could really see happening is that though we start in the theme park Westworld, that's not where the show will end up. Right. I think that we're, you know, we're going to break out of the park at some point in the course of the Agreed. show. And I think that they're setting it up early on for us to, you know, kind of like see that, you know, play out over the course of probably several seasons um but like to throw you know this very interesting nugget in in episode one is like a great you know like a great thing to see that they really have a firm idea of where the show is going um which you know like which was a reason why the show was delayed for so long, right? Is they put a they put a halt to the shooting in order to determine where they wanted the storyline to go. Mm-hmm. And then they came back and finished shooting season one. So right. that makes me that makes me very happy. Like to yeah. T- yeah. To know that this show has a very firm path. I think that all of the best shows um have that stuff mapped out from the beginning. Yeah. Um you know, so yeah, that was very cool. I'm really interested to see how that's gonna play out for sure. Agreed, and it could be it could really go in so many directions right now, so it'll be really interesting to see. For sure. 
Um, so from there, we're back in Westworld. The Men in Black, who is playing cards um, with the other hosts, he ends up um, at the end. He slits the card dealer's throat and drags him off. So he's still alive, um, but he brings them with him. More to come on that later. And maybe just like a quick note on the soundtrack and music. Um because it was really interesting. Like this one was uh, Black Hole Sun, but then there's other yeah. music later on too. Like they took modern music and made it really fit in the feeling of the Westworld era. I thought that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, which was really cool. Yeah. It was just the two songs that I noticed in yeah, this what episode. Yeah, was at the end? So it was... Uh, painted Black. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It took me a minute to place, uh, right? to place this context. one too. I was like, yeah. 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 And no, no yeah, lyrics, cool. just just like the score, and it was yeah, the... like on an old timey piano. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the next scene is where we have Bernard looking at the picture of the young boy. Um, he's in the process of fixing the the host, the sheriff host, and then um, the the host um, like strokes his mustache. Uh, which I take to be a reverie. And Bernard says he's, you know, all fixed up. And then he gets called out because there's a problem with a host. And the milk bandits strike again. <laughs> I like the milk bandits. Um, this is what I've called them in my notes. <laughs> well, there's a lot of milk involved. So I can see why we have called them the milk bandits. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so these are the same, the same two guys who the same two hosts who murdered Dolores's parents in the beginning and you know in that first scene they had milk there too and they like murdered Dolores's parents and then poured milk on them for some reason and now one of the two um one is dead but Walter the you know the other one he's just shooting the place up yeah so um it made me think so obviously they I mean, they're machines, so they can be ended, you know, mechanically by being shot, but also that they seem to have probably been programmed to once shot or at least a certain number of times be dead. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, because like one of the crazy things here that that he does is that he keeps going and he's got like milk pouring out of his stomach. Yes, like, I think that that way. I think that that is an issue with the programming. Like that made me think the same thing. He's drinking the milk. It's coming out of multiple bullet holes. So I think that like if he were, if his programming were working correctly, he would be dead. And that, you know, like his, you know, glitch that is causing him to go off script is also causing him to not lay down and and quote unquote die like he Correct. should because of agree. course he's a I, you know yeah no I agree and I think it's just you know I, I originally I guess I'd been this maybe not really thinking about it but I was like oh when they shoot them they break for lack of a better word by die you know and therefore die but it now like that's not the case because you're right with this glitchy code or not glitchy code whatever um it means that they no longer have this dying thing but that's that they weren't broken they just actually like shut down because of the program i'm not explaining this point well but right no but i understand i mean like we know that they can bleed 
right? I mean, like yeah, yeah. the card dealers bled out to death, bunch right? Of blood out the, yep, yep. Right. So I do have all kinds of like follow up questions that I'm not even going to kind of really go down about like how logistically, if yeah. you know, one of them yeah, gets no, beat up or shot, how they then piece themselves back together and they get in their bed all like, you know, um, perfectly put together exactly as they were the day before. Um, yeah. But but yeah, like. I guess I'm not entirely sure. Like, you're right. I think that they are are shot and therefore um, programmed to die. But there is no actual harm being done to the host itself. They could theoretically just, like, pick themselves up and go back to bed and start another day. But they do, like, Walter had holes in his body. So how does that work? You know? Like, how do they keep functioning? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean like, yeah. Does someone has to go and physically patch up his holes? Are I'm there physical the bullets? And I'm also guessing the doctor maybe is involved in that. Um, the doctor okay. who we don't we don't find because I was thinking that when Dolores goes to get the doctor because her dad is not right. I was like, I wonder if the doctor is either a host or a person who is there and is like a robot repair person. You know what I mean? Oh, and yes, that would be really smart. Works that it's the doc a doctor. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe they, they like stitch people back up and get them ready. So, because the they thing. would essentially, they would have to have guns that have bullets that would pierce the host, and yet have no effect on a newcomer. Right, but like, how does that work? I don't so know. It's just that the bullet bullets are so. Yeah, I was logistically. I didn't understand how they don't shoot; they can't hurt the newcomers. So what I was thinking, you know, sort of originally was that essentially the the hosts are firing blanks, um, but because of their programming, they are programmed to react as if they have been shot. But that doesn't explain the bullet holes in Walter, and it would make for a pretty unrealistic death if. Um, yeah. there's no blood or anything like that, right? <laughs> if it was like duck hunt or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then a dog comes out and laughs at you. <laughs> or like, can the new can the newcomers shoot each other? Um, I don't know. I mean, they're all people. Yes. Do they have real bullets? Or do they have some that's kind of the, bullets? I think that's the question. But you're right. I mean, he this guy clearly has a hole in him and the milk comes out his stomach. So something has like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's, it's probably not important, but the, there's, maybe we'll learn more about that because I agree. There is a question mark as to how, what the like firearms really are and how much at risk was that couple who's in this scene we're obviously mm-hmm. scared. I'm not saying it wouldn't be scary anyway, but like, was there a chance that um, that a host could have accidentally shot? I mean, they the Westworld staff are concerned enough about it that they want to take all I, these guys uh, out of the park. I 100% think that there was a real risk of danger for those two guests. Those, I mean, like, okay. yeah, because we know at the end of the episode in a much less, you know, like... Um, like dire circumstance that, um, you know, Dolores, who is programmed to not hurt a fly, can now kill a fly. That's so right. <clears throat> I don't think that it would be like outside the realm of possibility to like extrapolate that 
um yeah. you know maybe not immediately but like that the hosts will eventually be able to defend themselves and hurt a guest and whatever yeah. and i think that walter so we know that walter went really off script in this one so um when bernard and his team comes to like clean up the mess they're saying that you know, Walter and his partner were supposed to kill each other, but only if a guest activated this specific storyline, which they didn't. That's right. And then if they did activate that storyline, it's supposed to be Walter who dies, not his partner. Um, like all of these killings were were unscripted. Um, so well, I this think is that, I, like I even wonder about it happening in the town because I just anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So this was like, this was more than a glitch. And so Bernard essentially says, you know, well, now I know that it was in fact the update. And then Colin makes the call to say, well, we've got to pull all 200 out then. Which like is reassuring. Like, I do find this part reassuring in the sense that she really gets the seriousness here. Um, and at least it's like the plot here is not that there's a bunch of complete and utter dumbasses at the head of this corporation who are just going to let this all happen. You know, like right. w- when things go to shit, it's not going to be because you have 1000% terrible leadership at the top because it would be a, that is a intense business decision to like pull all of these robots out and risk the, you know, like, but if we've learned yeah, anything the, from Jurassic Park, experience. it's that things can go wrong and they will go wrong. And like, you should be way more cautious than characters usually are. Totally. And so so she has actually she's come up with a really clever cover, too, because, um, you know, there was always supposed to be a saloon heist and sort of a shootout. But she has upped it a week and she's making the shootout extra bloody, essentially to act as cover so that they can pull out all of the impacted hosts. Right. And not kind of like have all of the storylines be abruptly disrupted without explanation for the guests. So, you know, pretty brilliant by by Colin. Very. Uh, yeah, so um, Bernard says that Ford won't approve and she says that he's going to be the one to tell Ford because at th- this point we still think it's Bernard's update that has done it. Um, and so we get this conversation then with Ford and Ford really... Again, this I think raises questions as to how much he knows about what he's doing, but he teases Agreed. it out of Bernard really quickly to be like, "Is it that you just don't want to say what it is?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, it's the reveries that are causing it." Um, and Ford says, "You'll have to indulge him some mistakes," but all in a very non-believable. Like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but there's more to this than. It just being a mistake by Ford. Yeah. I feel like I watched this whole scene and then I was like, what? Like, I don't know what Ford is saying in this. So he's talking all about how, um, you know, human evolution is the product of mistakes. Don't be ashamed to, you know, say mistake because this is how we all came to be what we are. And that... Ultimately, we've now like slipped evolution's leash and we can cure any disease and we can keep the weakest person alive. And that ultimately what that means is that Bernard has to indulge him some mistakes. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, so what I took that to mean was that, okay, for you tell, what did you take that to mean? Well, yeah, I would say that 
you're not just trying to add some unique mannerisms to your hosts. Yes. You're, you're like you're likening it to evolution. I, exactly. I just truly believe he's trying to add in sentience. Right. I mean, so he is saying that that's how I took it too. Um, And then I thought maybe I was reading too much into it. So like when ultimately when he says you have to indulge me some mistakes and then Bernard just like leaves. So ultimately I was thinking, is that Ford saying that what you were interpreting as a mistake was not in fact a mistake and the reveries are staying where they are? Okay, wait. Like, I feel like what Ford put in there in Reveries was he says that mistakes are essentially what what um, re- resulted in evolution, right? So, right. <clears throat> so Ford put these Reveries in there with the intention of making the um, hosts even more lifelike. So despite the fact that he was not intending to give them you know like full access to their memories and whatever he was intending to evolve them to an even closer you know like humanoid human state and the fact that it it the other way though what you mean like is he trying to make them sentient and therefore the the reveries are a byproduct of it not the intention Oh. I don't know. Like, I really am, regardless, I mean, it's the, but I just, like, I feel like Bernard is a true programmer, and for him, the beauty he sees in the reveries are, like, a really beautiful and unique piece of code that Ford is able to include, and I feel like Ford, who is much more like a creator, um... You know, and has this kind of like apparent God complex and is seeing this for a completely different side, is trying to evolve them into sentient beings. Therefore, the reveries are coming out of that, maybe. And they're just like this little piece of evidence that you're seeing of a much bigger plan that he is like secretly putting into place. I see where you're coming from. I don't know that I fully agree with all of it. Like, I definitely think that Ford... Ford's intention was to add these reveries. And I do believe, too, like based on the questioning that Ford um, had with Peter Abernathy's host, you know, at the end of the episode, I do feel like Ford, um, like, isn't recognized. Yeah. Yeah, that this was an unintended byproduct of adding the reveries. But I think that um, ultimately, you know, Ford is telling Bernard when he's saying you have to indulge me some mistakes is that, you know, like, he is going to continue to um, bring these hosts closer and closer to human. So, I mean, like, essentially, I think we're saying the same thing. Like he, in my opinion, doesn't have a secret plan where he's trying to add sentience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that he is trying to Um, continue to evolve them through programming to make them as lifelike as he can without necessarily like giving them human consciousness. Yep. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Because really, I I think we don't know. Like maybe, and like I totally see where you're coming from. I'm just wondering if he's more with it and more devious um, than 
It could be. It could be. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, um, we did say, I mean, like, he seemed, he, they, there's, I don't know, the, the conversation that he had with Bill and, you know, this weird conversation that he's having with Bernard. Like, there's definitely more to Ford than we know right now. So you could very well be absolutely correct. We shall um, yes. Okay, so we're this back in the, the park. barb of this season. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> listeners, if you haven't listened to our Stranger Things <laughs> podcast, just like FYI, Barb lives on in my heart for now and always. <laughs> barb, Barb, the actress who played Barb should come back as a host in like this show. <laughs> and never <laughs> die. Oh, man. Um, okay, so we're back in the park and um, the man in black has essentially like bled this car dealer car card dealer out to like near death. And yeah. then he um, says he wants to get answers. He he says there's a deeper level to this game, the game of Westworld. And then he scalps him. He scalps the card dealer. And we see in a later scene that there's some kind of like map or maze or something that's on the inside of the scalp. Yeah. There's some sort of pattern. Yeah. On the inside of the scalp, which is also apparent, spoiler alert, in the preview of Westworld. That pattern comes out in a couple places. So I am confident. I didn't watch the preview. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't watch the preview. Um, I watched the teasers only. So uh, I'm excited to see where this plays out. But yeah. so like, so what do you think that he means when he says there's a deeper level to this game? Well, and he says the dealer is going to show him how to get there. Um, so I assumed until you see the scalp, I assumed it was like some sort of programming or computer-esque chip inside of him. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, um, that there was something, whether he was trying to like steal competitive data or information or something. Um, but then the fact that all he takes is the scalp is really interesting. There's that pattern tattooed on it. So I don't know, but obviously it says, I mean, it's, you know, that the men in, until this point, I feel like I did not realize the man in black's intentions go, went beyond, you know, just being there to like rape and kill people for fun. Right. Um, so I think there's that big piece. I think also it makes me question, like, he's not dissimilar in age to Ford. Um, so do they have a backstory together? I mean, a guy who's been going to the park for that long, you know, what is his history with the staff of Westworld and the creator, especially of Westworld? Like you've got two older guys in this show. Um, right. I'm pretty confident they're going to have met each other before. So like there's a question mark there. Yes. Um, yeah. And what do you, you know what? what? Do you I'm think? like, I'm second guessing myself now, just like on the 40 year age of the park. I don't know where I got that it was 40 years old, but I feel confident that I heard that somewhere. But now that I'm thinking about it, the man in black says, I've been coming here for 30 years. Right. And Bernard, Bernard says, we haven't had a critical failure in 30 years. Um, so maybe I'm wrong and the park is in fact only 30 years old, in which case the man in black has been coming to the park since like since the beginning day one. Yeah. Um, in which case that makes me think that perhaps he has knowledge of the creation of the park or, you know, like maybe he has some insider knowledge about 
how it was made and I don't know. There's yeah, I know. Do we you see what I'm saying? Context there for sure. Yeah, um, but then like I would again think it's to try and leverage whatever the technology is beyond the concept of Westworld, right? Like it's not just a game. So what's it must like? Does it tie back into what was being discussed earlier and? You know, that there is a bigger plan by management and what that plan is and what does the world look like that they're in right now. And right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. uh, Yeah, I definitely think those things are tied together. But but I think it's also meaningful that the like the dealer host tried to throw himself off a cliff when he realized what was happening. You know, like um, the reaction of the programming of the robot is to get themselves out of there and not just like. There's like they'll play out in a fantasy for so long, but then he tried to jump off the cliff, you know, right. like, so is there like a level where they recognize there's a threat and they just get themselves out of there or they self-destruct or they do something like. I don't know. I did not piece that together at all. I did. Re- I did um, ask the question about like, I mean, so this is a host. It's a robot. Yeah, it doesn't matter um, the three liters of blood have been taken out of him. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, agreed. I was like, I feel like he's treating the robot as if it has human biology. Yeah. yeah and agreed. I found that interesting. It? Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are the? If you like were to peel back the skin on yeah a host, like? what does it look like underneath? Ultimately, we've only we, seen. Sorry. We've seen it being built from like. We've seen it being built from like bones to muscle to. Yeah. Are they essentially making human tissue? Yeah. What's the like? Well, because the horse, you see the white bones, and but everything's white, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you see like the skin going on the horse and the fur, so you don't see the step in between. You right. see the organs being put in it, so you do see that, but they're white again, like they're not. They're not like tissue colored. Right. But there's real organs in them. Like that's you see the horse's like heart being put into the rib cage, being assembled by those scientists. So yeah, do they operate like Right, yeah. Which so is like, even freakier. Yeah. Yeah, because I was of the impression, at least, that like they were making a um, you know, like a an exact replica. Of, of a horse from its heart to its bones to its, you know, mm-hmm. in order for that horse to be, you know, realistic. So that if the horse were to, you know, like, I don't know, die. But in, then they don't if, age. Like, right? So. That's true. Hmm. So may, maybe it is. I mean, like, ultimate, all, all the, it has organs and it has muscle and all of that stuff, but not actual true live functioning tissues yeah yeah interesting very uh so from here we're back with dolores she's waking up in another morning still wearing that same dress and everything and she goes to find her father but this time he is still staring at that same image of the girl in central park and he's obviously freaked out so he 
doesn't respond to her normal script cues that we've seen them exchange now two or three times. And he Mm -hmm. tells her that she needs to leave this place and he pulls her in and he whispers something to her that we don't know what that is. Um, And yeah, a bunch of like his kind of like rambling quotes and such. Right. Yes. So we're told at the end of the episode, like when Dolores is being questioned you know, they're, they ask her, what did he whisper in your ear? Yeah. And she says, she says what he said, which was um, these violent delights have violent ends. So do you think do that's you, actually what it was? That's what I was just going to ask yeah. you. I don't. I mean, yeah. I do think that he would have had to have said that to her, um, you know, because even if she you know, is starting to get access to her own memories and stuff. We don't know, at least at this point, whether Dolores would have access to, you know, memories of Shakespeare. But yeah. we, do, we do know that Peter Abernathy's host does, and he quotes Shakespeare. So 100%, I feel confident that he did say those words to her. But I don't think that those are the only it, words that he that, said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so she's panicking. So she goes to find the doctor, which we already, um, mentioned. And because she's been into town at the same time that she normally is, um, she and Teddy have reconnected again on this storyline. So they, um, she's trying to get help for her dad. So, you know, she wants Teddy to come back to the house and like, you know, help her father who's ill. But before they have a chance to do anything, these like hooded riders come to town. Not good. It's Truly a Western it's... moment. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that uh, the the bandit chick, she was pretty awesome and badass epic when she shoots all of those hosts it's like so crazy i know yeah, and she's got like the scar on her face and stuff she's yeah i agree yeah she's badass um so it's um hector is the bandit mm-hmm. who's been hiding in the hills and his like gang um so these are the same bandits that the sheriff and his posse including those two newcomers were, were hunting earlier in the episode um, so and of course, this is the cover that Colin has put together in order to have this super deadly shootout so that they can extract all of the um, hosts that have been updated. So uh, it doesn't disappoint. Lots of people die, um, including Hector and his gang. <laughs> yes, because we get that piece from Sizemore before it starts. He's like, I've written an epic speech for the um, for Hector at the end. Right. Um, yeah. Which is, and then after all of this, like, crazy showdown as he's about to deliver the speech that, like, douchey husband and wife show up again and just, like... Shoot him in the neck. Yeah. And just, like, they're so awful. And, like, this is where this couple really gets to you in terms of just, like, entitled douchey white people and he's just like look i shot him in the neck get a picture and then like all of the posing with the bodies and everything i'm just like how is i know this and the fun? wife is like the wife is like look at her twitching because the, like, he shot the girl bandit too. yeah like i know that they're robots and that you're there especially like you guys are there because you've been sold that they're robots but there's still something very mm-hmm. much wrong with a fulfilling this fantasy to this level of detail and be the person who goes and has a fun time doing this like right 
And no. honestly, I think that that is the like that is the whole sort Every- of like commentary of the show, right? Is yeah. that oh, it's the whole morals game here. It's yeah. the like. You know, it's the raping, the killing, the depravity, the treatment of these things as not real when they are so real looking. Absolutely. It's, um, but it's, yeah, it's like they're like (laughs) douchey tourists to like the next level. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Super violently shoot these guys. Right. Yeah. If you take a douche and give him a gun and zero consequences, here's what happens. Yeah, it's like it's like equivalent to me in my mind to like big game trophy hunting, you know, like yes. you you fly to the safari in Africa, you bait some like endangered species and trap it and like get like all these guys to like help you do it. And then you shoot it and you pose with it, you know, like you were never at risk because these hosts yeah. can't shoot you back um, and you just go out and be as violent as you want with no consequences for yourself. Like, yeah, yeah problematic yeah that's a yeah it's a good analogy um (laughs) well even the picture right we're about to see them standing and he's got the two dead bodies on either side of him and he puts the hat on picture exactly it like it's like they're standing beside a huge fish yeah yeah um so unfortunately uh um teddy was killed in the shootout with a number of other people and dolores is like laying over him grief stricken um but then we see elsie who's the female scientist who works with bernard she's in like western garb so she's you know essentially like in disguise like you know what i mean like she is um there as like as a as a posing as a guest or whatever like she doesn't look like a scientist like they did you know previously when they shut everything down to get walter out so that was obviously you know them responding to an emergency but it looks as if if they were just like you know coming into the park in a way that's planned then they dress in western gear and you know they don't they don't stand out um so uh she um says the secret phrase to Dolores who's like crying over Teddy to have her shut down and then she gives the signal to like extract all of the um dead hosts yeah uh, so um Cullen is saying you know go through them all one by one and decommission any of the ones that are that are uh, not okay and Peter Abernathy is not yeah. okay agreed yeah, so we see this whole um, questioning happening. Um, so it's kind of like Dolores and her father are kind of being questioned, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this. This is where you already referenced this, but the scientists are in the hazmat suits. They're in the Abernathy home. They get the picture, as in the like actual image picture. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bernard and Ford are with um, Peter Abernathy and they're starting to talk to him. So this is, I don't know, like this whole kind of scene is, um, there's a lot said here, but they're asking what's happening. And this is where he's quoting Shakespeare. He asks to meet his maker. Ford says you're in luck. Right. And then Mm -hmm. he starts getting these like creepy lines that I feel like were very like, I don't know double meaning yeah he's like using shakespeare to threaten ford 
Yeah, and also his reference to having seen very violent things too, right? Like, um, and I know so that we end up finding out that he had a number of storylines before, one of which was, as you've already mentioned, the um, Shakespeare professor guy who ends up with the cannibal storyline. Again, like, what the hell is... I know. Like, so awful. Um, but then the other thing I was thinking of, like... Is he only accessing those memories from way back or is he using that to apply to how many times has he been shot? I mean, at the end of oh, most yeah. nights. And with yeah, like I, shot, right? I yeah. definitely think that this is not him just sort of like randomly quoting Shakespeare. I think that yeah. we know that the hosts have very limited access to language because we see them using the same lines over and over again, yep. but applying them in different contexts depending right. on what their current storyline is telling them, right? So the way that I read this is that the Peter Abernathy host doesn't necessarily have the words to say what he wants to say and so yep. is drawing on the vocabulary that he does have access to which happens to include Shakespeare from a past you know build from one of his past characters and so I think that the threat that he's giving forward is very real um, yes. and he he happens to be using Shakespeare in order to verbalize that instead of just saying like what the fuck have you done to me and my daughter? I'll kill right. you because he he doesn't have those words. Doesn't have it. Yeah. Really Do you know what point. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. Because I was thinking at first that they were referencing like, oh, he's just reliving his cannibal like like line from three you know people ago. But yeah, right. exactly. You're, you're so right, and he can only apply <laughs> Shakespeare and Gertrude Stein. I like that, like where he's like. Maybe a bit anachronistic, like referencing that those are not contemporaries. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that he's like, this is what he has. That's such a good point, Kim. And um, But he's clearly, the picture has shaken him out of his reality. He sees in it another reality, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it has prompted, in addition to the update, and however those two have worked together, um that he is now threatening his maker and he makes he physically moves towards him which is like also a big thing right yes before he gets turned off yeah and and while all of this is happening Dolores is being questioned in the other room by Stubbs which we'd already yeah. mentioned and the questions that she's being asked are identical to the questions that Bernard asks her at the beginning of the show so you know this reads very much to me as this is like this is a predetermined series of questions that all of the hosts are asked in order to determine, you know, whether or not there are um, glitches or um, whatever, depending upon their responses, right? So it's also, you know, interesting to note that Dolores is asked specifically whether she would ever hurt a living thing. And she says, no, of course not. And then, of course, we do get the scene at the end where she kills the fly. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, like, that to me says that she is aware enough. Or I don't know. I maybe mean, she's reading, lying in this one. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, is she's she, misleading. Is, is she deliberately lying when she gives that response? Yeah. Or, you know, was she being truthful and the slapping of the fly was, you know, simply a um, sort of like unconscious reaction that she right. didn't 
deliberately do. I don't know, but I I think it would be more interesting if she were deliberately misleading them in this series of questions. Well, especially since I think it starts off with a lie because I agree that I don't think that she is telling the truth about what her dad said to her or like you say, like that it's the that's not the full thing of what he said to her. Um, Like the fact that we as the audience don't get confirmation that that is what he said to her completely makes me believe that it's not. You know what I mean? And so if she's misleading there, I think she's misleading later on. And yeah, yeah. I also think that it's really interesting that um, a couple of times, so like Peter, the Peter Abernathy host in this scene with Bernard and Ford, he says that he needs to warn Dolores. And um, in the earlier scene, he warns Dolores as well and says, you know, like, get out of this place. Um, Hell is empty. All the devils are here. Yes. And so I I do wonder too, like, I don't know if this is the case, if it's just that he has to warn Dolores because she is his daughter, um, you know, and therefore has like an, or, an, a high level yeah. of, you know, protection, um, you know, or, or is there something specific that, you know, he knows is going to happen to Dolores specifically? Because he's not saying I have to warn my wife. He's not saying, you know, and again, it's his daughter. There's a level of, you know, um, wanting but to. But this is the same time when we find out Dolores is the oldest host in the park. Yes. Right? Like, it's like, is there a host hierarchy of some kind? Like, is there some sort of recognition of her role like that? I don't know. But I just feel like you're seeing, you're hearing all of that information at the same time. Yes. Um, we shall find out. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So ultimately that, that all ends with Ford and Bernard concluding that the whole thing with Peter Abernathy was just their old build coming back to haunt them. Nothing to worry about. These guys are idiots. I predict they are wrong. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be a short season. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so really after that, um, we get a scene the next day of Dolores waking up and she goes through her whole spiel like normal. But of course, now her father is played by a different host. And from what we see, there's no reaction from her to that new character. It's uh, he's just answering the same feel. way the other one did. You felt like I she felt reacted? That- Yes, because um, so there's one line that this host says differently. It's still a scripted line. Um, It still ultimately means the same thing. Um, But like when Dolores comes down and, you know, she greets him like always, the old Peter Abernathy said, um, what did he say about her painting? Um, oh yeah yeah i know what you mean you're gonna you're you're gonna put some of this day down or something like that mm-hmm. meaning like are you gonna go paint and then yeah. this this um host father asks her the same thing but says it differently essentially he's like are you gonna go paint and i definitely felt that there was a reaction by dolores to that um shift in script interesting and I I took that, you know, because when we were talking earlier about how, you know, like there was this um, confused but unconcerned reaction that we thought that was like programmed and just her regular day to day reaction. I felt like this was a level of awareness that that something is different that she is not supposed to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that they don't normally react to each other and that the like confusion pieces are more meant for when 
uh, guest says something random, like you're not real. Um, so yeah, maybe there was a pause there and I just totally didn't, didn't read it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think there was something there. Uh, so then at the same time that like, that's kind of happening, we then see Peter Abernathy being brought down to that same sub level that we were, um, on before when we first met Ford and he, um, and Walter are being decommissioned and he's like, basically, I'm sure he's told to like, go, you know, be decommissioned or whatever. But I, so I read a lot of emotion into this one. Yes. Um, because his face, like his eyes have tears in them. I know. Or, like, he was like practically crying. Agreed. So like, which does not seem like normal host behavior. Like they should not be emotional about being decommissioned. They shouldn't even realize what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, like the way that old Bill did not react whatsoever to being told to be put in a body bag. Like that's just completely normal. Like go put mm-hmm. yourself back in storage. Okay. Um, this seemed completely different from that. Um, and then we get a shot of Teddy on the train cause we're back in another day. And then we see the men in black and this is the pattern map maze, whatever was on the inside of the scalped head. And he's got it. He's on a horse. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely like, following this map. Exactly. And then we get that end shot of Dolores with the fly on her face and she kills it. What the And credits. Yeah. It was a great final scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I cannot even wait for some of these questions to be answered. But um, I think that, you know, some of the questions that are raised in this episode are going to take some time to come to fruition. But I think that they have like really built a solid foundation of like things to keep us interested in the now. And then also a lot of longer play storylines that could come out over the course of multiple seasons. So it's going to be good. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we will be back on um, Monday night after the Sunday episode. It is Thanksgiving weekend for all of our Canadian listeners. But uh, Happy Thanksgiving. That's right. And uh, as you'll have learned, if you didn't listen to Stranger Things, we are not the most uh, concise podcasters of all time. <laughs> we lack in brevity. We make up for in great detail. So we are here for your lengthy discussion pleasures and <laughs> okay is... so you guys we should have said this at the beginning but you can tweet at us um at kj recaps and uh find us on facebook at kj recaps K also recaps that one yeah oh okay knj recaps on facebook um twitter is at kj recaps and um please uh like us Rate us, uh, subscribe on iTunes, please. That's right. And in a couple short weeks, we will also be joining you with a Walking Dead um, podcast as well. So if that is a show that you're into, which is also a dystopian future, (laughs) which is maybe of interest, uh, we hope you'll tune in for that too. So Yes. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Kim. Great uh, discussion of episode one and looking forward to the rest of the season. Cannot wait. Thank you, Jess. Okay. Okay. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.